How are we doing out there? Good? I love this community. You guys are so awesome. Who likes being in this community? I mean, is it just me? It's just so real. It's so chilled. It's so Jesus, you know? And, and Ruby, where are you gone? She's gone somewhere. Probably to do Sunday school or something. That was just awesome yesterday. And uh, Kate, with you going, we just, yeah, God bless you. We just love you so much. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, I don't know if your family's anything like our family, and particularly my kids, but there's a particular TV program that our family loves watching on a Saturday night, and it's called X Factor. Who watches X Factor? Yeah, not many. Well, I tell you what, um, I, you know, the, the TV usually gets you know, commandeered by particularly Brittany and William and these guys. And, and uh, before that, of course, there used to be something called American Idol, and Simon Cowell seems to pop up in every sort of iteration of this show wherever it ends up on the face of the planet. And he's an entertainment all of his own. But, you know, the, the amazing thing that I find about, um, about the show, about X Factor, is some of the most unlikely candidates walk up onto the stage, don't they? You, you look at these people and, and, and they just do not know how to dress. Not that I'm any advertisement, but they don't know how to stand. They, they don't talk very well. They, they just, and, and, and you see Simon Cowell sort of sitting there with his arms crossed thinking, here we go again. And then suddenly what will happen is that the person will open their vocal cords and out will come the most amazing song, the most amazing voice that anyone has ever heard. And, you know, we all know that stars are born from that show. And they're just the most unlikely candidates to walk out on a, on a stage like that and sing. And I want to say that God's church is very much like that. God wants to put a song in your heart. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to put colors together on, you know, on a Monday morning and you get the wrong tie with the wrong... It doesn't matter. God wants to put a song in your heart. It doesn't matter what your journey has been to this point. Do you believe that? God wants you to sing for him. God wants to sing his song through your life. That's what we saw yesterday on the beach. Two weekends before we saw it, also with Aaron, when he got baptized, the same spot, Titahi Beach. I wonder if you could turn your Bibles to a verse or two that we want to have a look at this morning. The message is entitled, Unlikely Candidates. And if you turn, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'd like us to read together from verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. Reading in the NIV translation. It says this, Brothers and sisters, think, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are 
so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When you look back on your life, do you ever have the feeling that you've blown it? Do you have those sort of aha moments? Do you ever have those regrets? We all do at some point, don't we? What about lacking wisdom? Thinking about, if only I'd said something a bit different or acted in a different way. What about feeling insignificant? There's a lot of people I know who feel they just don't matter, that they're ignored, they're overlooked. It doesn't matter whether it's at school or in their family or in their job. Somehow, everybody else seems to be the center of attention, but not me. Well, maybe you felt foolish. Maybe you've been the butt of other people's jokes. Maybe you came way down on the pecking order in your family and no one ever really listened to you or considered your point of view. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's how you felt your whole life. I want to tell you something. God sees you as significant. And God wants to put a song in your heart. And he wants you to walk with dignity onto the stage of life and sing his song. You may not look the part, but you'll be the part because he will be the part in you. Amen? I want to tell you, that's the reason why Jesus came, to give you his song. Where are you at today? Are you singing his song? None of us here come from nobility either. Is anyone here related to Prince Charles? Probably don't want to be. How about Donald Trump? Or maybe Erica's. No, there's no one here that's not from noble birth. I don't see any royalty in this room. We're all just pretty ordinary, normal, average kind of people. And in those Bible verses we've just read, Paul is juxtaposing some very important concepts. He says in verse 26, You weren't wise. You weren't influential. You're not of noble birth. But God has taken the foolish things, the weak things, the lowly and despised things, and he's made his kingdom out of people just like that, just like you. Does that make you feel good? I want to tell you this morning, no matter where you're at, no matter what your, what your journey has been, God can use you, you and he can take you on from this point. Never say can't with God, amen? Never say can't with God. And I think sometimes we need to look at the verses in that chapter and we need to put the expression or the, the letters JLM right beside them. JLM, just like me. But you know those words also stand for something else. It stands for Jesus loves me as well. He loves me and he wants to use me. And it, You know, the thing though that I think 
sometimes frustrates me as a pastor as I look at people who have come to Christ and yet they're still living a life as if they're insignificant. They've never really come into what it means to walk in the freedom that Christ has given us. You know, it says in the Bible that Christ has set us free, that we might live in freedom. Amen? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And yet so many people are living in bondage. They're living like a despised person, a foolish person. And why is that? I want us to turn, if we can, to another chapter of the Bible, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And this is a verse that's well known. And Paul was writing this, the Apostle Paul, and he says this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, I turned on the television the other night, and it was, um, I just happened to flick on, Joe and I did, to the Hope Channel, which is like Shine. And David Suchet, I think his name is pronounced, who played Poirot, you know, the Ag Agatha Christie, Belgian uh, super sleuth character. Very, very clever. I believe he's a Christian. He was presenting a BBC series on the life of Paul. And this particular night, the type uh, or the, the, the theme of the night was Paul's missionary journey. And when we picked up the story, he was traveling through Athens and then on to Corinth. On to Corinth. Going into the old cities, and you saw the old Areopagus and all the other amazing buildings where the Apostle Paul went, and you can read about that in the book of Acts. And he went into these cities and he spoke the gospel. And as the, the camera panned out, and, and there was just David Suchet and this historian standing in this, this street in this foreign city of Athens. They just looked so small, so insignificant, standing there. And it hit me that this was what it was for Paul as he went into these places where no one had ever heard about Jesus Christ. No one had ever heard the gospel. There weren't Christians. There wasn't a church. It only just started in Jerusalem. And one man had had his life so radically changed and heard the call of God that he said, I'm going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth where I could be killed and I'm going to start a church movement for Jesus Christ. Doesn't that amaze you? Do you know, Paul would say that he didn't ever want to build on any other man's ministry. He wanted to go to people groups. He wanted to go to towns and to cities where no Christian had ever been. He'd go there as the vanguard, as the advance party by himself very often, sometimes with Timothy or with Barnabas, but usually on his own. And he'd go into the square where people used to debate things. Where, you know, the Romans and the Greeks like to talk about philosophy. And so he'd go into to Athens and he'd go into Corinth. And he would, it was even one time he went, I think it was into Athens, and they had so many different gods that they were worshipping, all the different Greek gods. 
And they had idols for them everywhere, just littered everywhere. And they were so concerned that they didn't want to miss any of these gods in their worship. Who's been to Asia, by the way? And, and who knows what the Hindu religion is? It's like that. It's like there are gods everywhere. Well, in Athens, they, they didn't want to miss any of these gods, and so they even set up a memorial and an altar, and they said, to the unknown God. They worship the unknown God because we just don't want to miss any one of these gods out. And into this situation, Paul walks and he sees this altar to the unknown God. He says, I want to tell you about who he is. I want to tell you because I know him personally. Do you know him personally? And Paul came to make Christ known. And as I, as I looked at that image on my TV screen, I thought, what courage that that guy would go to the uttermost parts of the world, to cities that had never heard about Jesus, where they were possibly going to take Paul's life to tell them that God loved them, to declare the truth of Jesus Christ. And why did he do that? You've just read it there in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Do you know what? A lot of us are living not for Christ. We're not letting the life of Christ live through us. We're letting our own flesh, our own desires, our own sin still control our lives. When was the last time we came to a point where we said, God, no longer I that lives, I want you to take control of my life. You know, Jesus said, he said, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give it up for me, you'll find it. A lot of people are living unfulfilled Christian lives because they've never come to a point of total surrender to Jesus Christ. You know, with the Apostle Paul, it cost him everything ultimately. It cost him his life to serve Jesus. But every one of us are sitting here today in some way thankful and in debt to the fact that he took the gospel to the world. Amen? And the question I want to ask every one of us this morning is, who is going to be in heaven because of you, because of me? But it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. You know, Jesus called the most unlikely characters. Uh, you just need to look at when he called the disciples. I mean, what kind of a lineup were these guys? I mean, we wouldn't have chosen them as the spiritual all blacks of the day, to be honest. Okay? We just wouldn't. I mean, take Peter, for example. He was a rough, around-the-edges kind of guy. Peter was a fisherman, probably foul-mouthed. He had a bad attitude. And, you know, when Jesus came onto his boat one day and Peter had been fishing all night and caught nothing, and Jesus said, just put your net out on the other side of the boat. And he said, well, okay, Jesus, because you said it, I'll do it. 
and he pulled up the largest catch of fish that he ever had. He had to call other boats to come and help him pull up the fish. And it says that Peter fell down at Jesus' feet in the boat, and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You can read that in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. He knew he was a sinful man, and yet Jesus called him. Jesus called him. Are you a sinful man or woman today? We all are, aren't we? Jesus called him. And you know, it's a great start to get to a point in your life where you come face to face with Jesus and you come on your knees like Paul, it's like Peter fell into that boat amongst all the fish on his knees that day and said, Jesus, you're good. I'm not good, but I want to follow you. But that wasn't the end of it for Peter. I mean, Peter, he made many other mistakes. I mean, here's the guy that tried to throw Jesus off his ministry, throw him off going to the cross to die for the sin of the world. And if we look in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, Peter says, no, no, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. You can't go there because you'll be crucified, even though Jesus was going there for that very reason, to die for the sin of the world. And Jesus turned around and he said to Peter, didn't he? Get behind me, Satan. You only have the things of man in mind and not the things of God. I mean, imagine that. Get behind me, Satan. And then we read about in the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers, the Pharisees' soldiers had been sent to go and arrest Jesus. And there's Jesus praying in the garden and all of his disciples have fallen asleep. And finally the soldiers arrive to arrest Jesus. And Peter gets up, he takes a sword and he chops off the ear of the high priest's servant. The man's, the man's name was Malchus. Just right in front of Jesus, whops out, rips out a sword and slices the guy through the head. That's a great way to... To show the love of Jesus, isn't it? And Jesus had been teaching these guys for three years, I'm not here to start a revolution. I'm not here starting a political party. This isn't a new iteration of the Greens or something. I'm here to teach about God's love and to change people from the inside out. But not Peter, he didn't get that. Out comes the sword. Straight through the guy's ear. Now, this is the amazing thing. You just got to get the scene. They're all there, right? Everyone's watching this. Jesus stoops down into the dirt. It's probably a bit difficult to see because there's not a lot of light because it's in the middle of the night and they've got their torches. Jesus stoops down. He finds the guy's ear. Just think about that. He picks up the guy's ear and he puts it back on him and he's completely healed. Don't you think that that would have been a rather significant moment? Just pause for a minute. Here Jesus does one of the most phenomenal miracles. He actually takes a man's ear and attaches it to him and completely heals him. All the soldiers see it. Do you know that God is doing miracles right in front of our eyes every single day? You just need to look outside that window for a start. You need to look at the person beside you or a little baby that comes out of the womb. 
God is doing miracles every day, saying, I'm here. I'm here. And yet they still took him and crucified him. What will you do with Jesus? As he displays himself as he has this morning through all these testimonies. I'm here. I want to heal you. I want to put you back together again. I want to give you a song to sing. Will you just take him out like everybody else, like the garbage, crucify him? That's where they crucified people, outside the city with the garbage. I want to tell you something. It says in the Bible, to whom much is given, much is required. Amen. And it's particularly true of us as his people. That was an interesting moment for Peter. It should have been a wake-up call for him. But no, he fled. He left Jesus. And Jesus had even said to him, he said, you know, Peter, because Peter had said, I will, I will lay my life down for you. How many people have said, I will lay my life down for you, God? I will lay my life down for you. Jesus looked at him. That was in the upper room when they were having communion before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the cross. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, before this night's over, Peter, you will have denied me three times. Not me, Lord. Oh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my life down for you. I, I'll serve you to the day I die. He flees after that incident in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he sort of skulks around in the courtyard, and the house of the high priest, Seeing what's happening to Jesus, puts his hooded and his cloak over his head so no one can tell who he is. Except Peter knew the other people there had seen him that night. And sure enough, a young girl said, weren't you one of his disciples? No, he said, not me. I'm not one of them. Someone else asked, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I saw you. You're, you've been with Jesus. You're one of his followers. No, it's not me. I don't know the man, he said. Third time, the same question. Look, we're sure we saw you up there in the Garden of Gethsemane. You're one of his followers. And it says that Peter then called down curses on himself and swore, I don't even know the man. And then the cock crowed, three times and Jesus turned and looked at Peter and it says that Peter was cut to the heart and he ran out into the night and wept bitterly what a start for the man that would become the foundation apostle of the church have you ever thought about that that's the kind of guy that Jesus said about Peter and the testimony that he would have. On this rock, I will build my church. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you feel you haven't got much of a contribution, or if you feel you've blown it, you're in good company. Paul, not only was he 
an opposer of the Christians, but he used to murder Christians before Jesus caught him on the road to Damascus. We can go through all the other disciples. They're pretty much the same thing. Andrew was Peter's brother. He doesn't have the same impetuous notoriety as his brother Peter, but he was a fisherman, pretty rough around the edges. John. John and James were brothers. They had such a bad temper that Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Can you imagine that? He was having fun with them. He said, you guys have got such a bad temper, I'm changing your name to the sons of thunder because you always fly off the handle. And, and then they come along with their mother to Jesus one day, aside from all the other disciples, and they say, Jesus, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand and be the top guys in your kingdom? Hello. These are the guys that were Jesus' disciples. They became the great apostles. What about Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman government. He used to threaten the Jews if they didn't give money to the oppressing Roman government. Jesus chose him. Jesus even chose a man called Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, who would betray him to the Pharisees and ultimately lead to the crucifixion of Jesus. So here's the cool thing. If you're feeling foolish, non-influential, weak, lowly, despised, or just that you've blown it, then you're the very sort of person that God is looking for to be on his team. Who wants to say hallelujah to that? But I hear some people ask, well, how do I get on the team? Where do I start? Where do I start? You know, last month, Joe and I finally had the opportunity to go on holiday to Bali. And um, on the day we were to, to leave, we were in Auckland, and we got out of bed, and to be honest, I was pretty exhausted. Would that be a fair comment, Joe? It had been a very challenging year in many ways, and it's been challenging since we got back. But I got out of bed, and I looked at the suitcases, and I was exhausted. And I just wanted instantly to be sitting by the pool, sipping the pina colada in Bali. I did not want to have to go on a 10-hour plane trip with a stopover in Brisbane, with greatest respect to Brisbane over there, Adam. Beautiful place. But, and we enjoyed some time there. But to be honest, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be in Denpasar. I wanted to be in Bali, and I wanted to be sitting by the pool. But the trouble is you can only start a journey from where you are. Amen? You have to begin from where you are. And I want to tell you, God knows that about you. Wherever you are today, God will start with you. And he'll take you on the journey for you if you're prepared to start with him. We can only start our relationship with God from where we are. And it takes three, three steps, very similar to what happened to us on that journey. The first is we have to pack our bags and drive to the airport. In other words, you need to sort out stuff that's in your life, stuff that's appropriate to take on the journey and stuff 
that you need to leave behind at home. Stuff that weighs you down. Stuff that slows you up. And you know, the stuff that weighs you down and slows you up, the Bible has a word for that. He, Jesus called it sin. It's a little word in the Bible, but it has a whole lot of meaning. And sin was actually a military word in the Bible. What it meant was, if you were an archer and you were shooting for a target and you missed the target, that was called sin. You'd sinned. You'd missed the target. You know, that's what the Bible is talking about in our lives. Anything in our life which causes us to miss God's target is sin. What is it in your life and in my life that causes us to miss God's target? It says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We've all sinned. It comes to a point in our life, if we want to truly get on the journey with Christ, we have to come before him and say, Lord, show me the things where I miss the target. I want to lay that stuff down. I want to get it off my back. I lay it before you at the cross. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. And now help me and start the journey with you. Amen. So the first thing is you've got to have a right view of yourself, a right view of God. The second thing is, You've got to actually then go to the airport and check, for, check in for the flight and get on the plane. You know, Jesus has already purchased the ticket for us, but some people think that that's all that's required. Jesus has died. But all he's done is he's purchased the ticket. You still have to take it to the airport and you have to check in. And then you have to get on the plane. There's a verse that says in 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 10. That Jesus is the Savior of the whole world, but especially of those who believe. Have you believed in him this morning? You know, what he's done is he's purchased your plane ticket. But you actually have to go to the kiosk in prayer and you have to check in and receive your boarding pass and get on board. And some people never get to that point. You know, they walk around their whole life. One of the greatest tragedies in the world is that there are people in the world for whom Jesus has died, but they will never receive the boarding pass and get onto the flight. And then the last thing is we've got to be prepared for the journey. And we've got to trust the pilot to take us to where he wants us to be. And that speaks of surrender and making Jesus Lord. You know, the thing that is um, amazing is after the resurrection of Jesus, every single one of his disciples went out and changed the world. And I often, often think about the, the kind of people that they were at the beginning of the journey and the people that they were at the end were two totally different things. And I want to say this this morning. When you become a Christian, God wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature but so many of us want to stay in the nursery, drinking milk and having baby food. But God has a whole mission out there for us. He has a ministry for us. Do you know what your ministry is for him this morning? 
I look around this church and I see so many people serving Christ. It's a wonderful thing. But then sometimes I look at others who seem to still be in nursery. And they need other people constantly to bolster them. God says, I want you to grow up. And as I looked at that television screen and I saw David Suchet standing on that street of Athens, this little wee figure, I imagine Paul walking down there saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And I want to tell you something. If you let Christ live through you, you can change the world. You can walk out onto the stage of life and sing a song that even Simon Cowell will be impressed with. What sort of man or woman or young person do you want to be? The life of Paul challenges me every day. Peter went out as well and he died for Christ. Do you know that every one of the disciples, except for the Apostle John, who died of old age, every other one of them died for their faith, for Jesus Christ. Let me just take you through the very quickly what happened. Andrew, or Simon Peter, let's start there. He was crucified upside down. He didn't want to be crucified the same way as Jesus. So he, he was, life was about to be taken by the Romans and they were going to crucify him. He said, ah, yeah, okay, crucify me, but not, not that way. Not like Jesus. Crucify me upside down because I don't deserve that. Amazing. Andrew, the Apostle Andrew, he was scourged and then he was tied rather than nailed to the cross so that he would suffer for a longer time before dying. And the story is told that as he was tied to the cross and it took so long for him to die of thirst in the hot sun, as people passed by, he would tell them about Christ. And even as he died, people came to know Jesus as Lord. And then there's James, the other son of thunder we were talking about. He had a sword put through him. Philip, well, he was scourged, he was thrown into prison, and he also was crucified in 54 AD. Bartholomew, well, there are two accounts of how he died. One was that he was crucified and the other was that he was skinned alive and then he was beheaded. Thomas, he was martyred when someone ran him through with a spear. Want to sign up for following Jesus? Matthew, he was supposedly stabbed in the back by a swordsman. James, he was beaten and stoned by persecutors and then killed by being hit over the head with a club. Thaddeus, he was crucified also at Edessa in Turkey. And the other Simon the Zealot, he was crucified in 74 AD. And John was exiled to the island of Patmos where he would write the book of Revelation as God showed him the end of the world. His life was spared ultimately and he died as an old man, the only one of the apostles not to give their lives for the gospel. And you think it, you've got it hard <laughs> in New Zealand following Jesus? 
Jesus once said, he said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, those who don't lay their lives down for me are not worthy of me. It's a hard word, but I really believe it's a word for our generation. Amen? Are we going to follow Christ? Sometimes it's difficult for us at work just to open our mouths and say that we're a Christian. Sometimes it's difficult for us just to tell a friend. And my prayer is that we as a church at Northern Hills really start to become the authentic church that Jesus wanted us to be. I say this a lot here. I say this a lot in other contexts because I really believe that's what God is calling us to do. We have become so overindulged, so comfortable. We live in a consumer credit society. What we want, we get, even if we can't afford it. And I think God is saying, no, I've got a song for you to sing. It might be scary to get out there in front of that crowd. But I've put something in you that the world needs to hear. Who believes that the world needs Jesus? Who believes that the world needs to know the difference between eternal life and eternal death? And so whether we fly to the other side of the world and work in Disney, whether we stay here in Wellington or whatever we do, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to come to that point that Paul had to before he could do anything else for God. Why are you failing in your Christian life? Because it was going to be the same for Paul if he hadn't come to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ is going to live through me. Let's stand, shall we? This morning, if you've never actually asked Christ to come and live in your life, you can do that. But I wonder if we can just take a moment before we sing, just to steal your heart before God and say, God, there's so much baggage in my life. You name the things that are holding you back. There's so much sin. There's so many things that I need to leave behind. And what I need to take on the journey with you is different. And I ask, Lord, that you will forgive me and that you'll cleanse me. I give you my life. Crucify the old self in me and help me to live the life that honors you. Let's just take a moment and then we'll close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for every testimony that we've heard. We pray for those people that we mentioned this morning who need your healing. We pray for Naran's grandmother. We pray, Lord, for Graydon. 
Cook. We pray for everyone else who needs your healing touch this morning. But Lord, we want to thank you for the life that you've given us. And Lord, we pray that this week we will go into this week, into our places of work and wherever we find ourselves, and we will sing your song in a new way. That we will crucify the desires we have that make war with our own souls. And we'll let your life, your new life, your new song, live and sing through us. I want to pray for every person here, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will fill every life. Lord Jesus, you said that rivers of living water would flow out of us if we only gave our lives fully for you. This world is so thirsty. And they need you, Lord. So, Father, we just glorify you and we offer our lives back to you. And we thank you for coming and for dying for us and giving your life. In Jesus' name, amen.